Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 54 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. Chiba Choose, a.k.a. Unvaxxed Kyrie, and a.k.a. Magna Porter Jr. And I have an exciting show for you today. Yo, I'm going to get into the Fly 5 picks for week 4 of the NFL. We are going to spill some tea on the NBA and their current crisis with unvaccinated players. We are going to get into some of the most overrated and underrated things from the beginning of the NFL season. And last, but you know, always not least, I am going to give a big, big, big ballers bouquet to Emmanuel Oba of the Miami Dolphins. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. Y'all, y'all, is, y'all, y'all is Tony Playboy. All right, we're starting things off a little bit differently today. We are going to start with the five fly picks. And boy, oh boy, have I been getting worked. I went one and four last week again. And you know what? That gave way to a great new opportunity. Sometimes failure is success. And a new sponsor that I want to talk to you all about today. Yo, do y'all like free money? Yeah, that's what I thought. So let your boy put you on. Check out Pickamores using our link, pickamores.com slash fly. It is free to play each week. All the NCAA football games and NFL games are up. And the players with the most correct picks each week win cash prizes that is it there is no catch the pick is yours pick them yours all right now that brings us into our fly five picks for this week and i'm excited to give you all these i am feeling a little bit of a turnaround here i have participated in the nfl pick them wars contest and i'm gonna give you some of the picks that i put in all right detroit versus chicago i took chicago at minus two and a half that is odds from Pick'em Wars. Look, I understand that Chicago is in a panic right now and that last week looked terrible while the Lions have looked competitive in each of their games all season long. I get it. We took nine sacks on 20 pass plays. It was even worse than I could have managed. And I told you all to be afraid for Justin because of how good Cleveland's pass rush was. Look, and I get that you've heard it all. Already, the game plan was terrible. Nagy, I want you to know, is historically poor at making adjustments for an offense. We saw that with Mitch Trubisky. But things will not be that bad two weeks in a row. I think that Justin Fields will still start, even though Nagy has been very, very, very elusive about who the starter is going to be. I feel that he is going to be used better. But most importantly, Detroit's pass rush is not half of what the Cleveland Browns pass rush is. So the repeat is a non-starter, 100% unlikely. Chicago's defense has played up to his moniker this year, being the monsters of Midway, and I expect them to look much more like they did against the Bengals than they did against Cleveland or the Rams, who are both top 10 offenses individually. Actually, top five when we're talking about the Rams. And the Lions scored less points per game than the Bengals, are less explosive than the Bengals, and Desai has had them boys in Chicago third in the league in sacks with 11. And that's only one behind Cleveland. And we gave them nine, nine last week. For now, take a breath. Things are not as bad as they seem in Chicago. It's way too early in the season to panic. 
the Bears-Lions game is pivotal, and I am taking the Bears minus two and a half. All right, the second pick. The second pick is the Browns versus the Vikings. I really like this game, and this game might be my safest bet of the week. The Browns are only favored by minus two. Two is a great line for the Browns. I don't even think this game is going to be all that close. The Vikings run defense is absolutely atrocious. It is just as bad, if not worse, than Kansas City's rush defense. They give up the fifth most yards per attempt in the league at 4.8. Cleveland has the second best rushing offense in the league, only behind Baltimore. Cleveland gets to go into Minnesota and be exactly the team that they want to be and play to all of their strengths and stop on the Vikings this week. All right, next game, next game, next game. Ravens at the Broncos. I like this one. Ravens 1.5. I can keep this one quick. If you listen to last week's episode, I think the Broncos are a little bit of fool's gold. Their opponents are combined 0-9. The Ravens have played the Chiefs and the Raiders. The Broncos have something to prove to me, and with a line this small because the Broncos are at home, I'm taking the Ravens. All right, the next pick, and this is the game of the week to me. These are two of the most explosive offenses in the league, and it's going to be hard to beat out how good this game is, and that's the Cardinals versus the Rams. I'm taking the Cardinals plus 5.5, and I was Oh, oh, so close on taking the Rams here. But I don't think the Rams will cover the spread. Kyler and Stafford are both looking like MVP favorites right now. Firing on all cylinders. And defense, to me, wins championships. The Rams defense is getting all the hype. But the Cardinals are better than the Rams defense in pass defended, fumbles, and sacks. I think the Cardinals will lose this game. Don't get me wrong. But I think they'll lose by like a field goal. And the difference is going to be mainly the coaching between this two, these two teams. I would take Sean McVay every day of the week and twice on Sundays against Cliff Kingsbury. I say Rams by a field goal. The Cardinals plus 5.5 is where I'm going there. And the last game here, and I think this is the game with the best storylines of the week. Everybody's going to want to hear about these and talk about these. And that is Tampa Bay. Versus the New England Patriots. I'm taking Tampa Bay at minus 6.5. This is the game that we all want to see with all the drama surrounding Brady leaving Foxborough. He's going to get to go back in there. And honestly, I think he has the home court advantage or home field advantage over Mac Jones and Foxborough. He's going to want to absolutely destroy them. Twist the knife in as much as he can. And the thing is, even if he didn't, and even if Brady has a really bad game and Bill Belichick does some Belichickian defensive voodoo and really gives Tom Fitz, the Bucs are still going to win this game. And it's not even a hard thing for me to believe. The Bucs are better defense up front, not, not out back. The Patriots, the Patriots secondary has actually been surprisingly, surprisingly good. But the offensive gap between Tampa Bay and the New England Patriots this year is the size of the Grand Canyon. And that's why I'm confident taking this line, Tampa Bay, minus six and a half. Those are my five fly picks. I will have the rest of my picks for all of the games that are on Pick'em Wars this week on Twitter, 
this week. Make sure you follow at the Fly Route Pod so you do not miss them and you can ride along to some of that free cash. What's up, Playboy? What's up, Playboy? All right, we are going to talk about some of the things that were massively overplayed or overrated and really went under the radar when we were starting to predict and understand what this NFL season will look like. And for me, there's a lot of different options here, but I picked six. I picked six that are real salient and I think that have had a relatively large impact on the league. What it is? What is it? The Washington football defense is the most overrated thing possibly this entire offseason and going into this season. And I was, I am massively, massively guilty here. I had them as my number one defense in the league because I believe that the Tampa Bay secondary was too suspect. That proven to be true, seeing as they just had to sign Richard Sermon. And I believe that the Rams defense just did not have the depth necessary, even though their starters were better. Now, that is not the case. It's not even close to the case. This Washington football defense is 29th in opponents' points per game, 31st in opponents' yards per game, 31st in opponent third down conversion rate. But hey, there is a plus side. The Washington football team defense is first an opponent fourth down conversion rate. Why is that, you may ask? Because their defense is so god-awful that no one ever needs to go for it on fourth down because they're converting third down at such a high rate and they're putting up so many damn points. Now, look, this team is also 24th worst rush defense in the league, 29th worst pass defense in the league, statistically very close to the league's actually worst defense. We all whiffed, and I mean really, really whiffed so far on this Washington football team defense. Now, it's early in the season. They can turn it around, but boy, oh boy, does this look absolutely terrible. The return of the Patriots is the next thing that is massively overrated for me so far. And the Patriots look even worse without Cam Newton. And that's the funny part. They cut Cam Newton, and I think that so far they've been massively worse off for it. The Patriots team right now could easily be 2-1 and one, and possibly even 3-0, and oh, even though that Saints game wasn't particularly close, going into week four. And I believe that's possible if they kept Cam Newton. This is wild. The New England offense is bottom 10 in the league in the following things. Yards per game, yards per play, points per game, yards per pass attempt, and they are. And this is the most important part when we're talking about someone like Cam Newton, who is a really, really, really strong goal line threat consistently in this league. Whether you think he's poor or really good, every every year he's been in the league and been playing. They are dead last in converting red zone opportunities into touchdowns. Dead last, losing very close games. Dead last. And that's why I'm telling you. Massively overrated so far. Now, is this going to be good in the long term for Mac Jones's development? A hundred percent, because he's surrounded by things that are very great. He has a good offensive line. He has some receivers out there, some running backs, a good scheme, a good coach, etc. If Bill is willing to punt on another opportunity at the playoffs to get Mac Jones ready for the future, that's perfectly fine with me. But so far, the story of their comeback has been a little overtold. All right. What is it? 
this is the last one for me. The last thing that it was massively, massively overrated coming into this season was the demise of Derrick Henry. And after his week one flop, people were all, all too ready to dance on the grave, call the coroner, spread the flowers out, the, oh no, no one has ever come back from having two back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons. Okay, none of those running backs were ever the same. Okay, sell Derrick Henry now. Don't draft him at the top of your leagues. He cannot keep his crown. Okay, he put up a stinker in week one. He still leads the league in rushing right now. Again, even keeping that terrible week one into his yards per game on a 17-game season, he is on pace for over 2,100 yards. I thought y'all said he couldn't do it again. We gonna see. But so far, the demise of Derrick Henry, King Henry, is massively overblown. And he is showing y'all he is ready to do it for a third straight season. All right, let's flip the script a little bit. Let's talk about underrated things. Things that were undersold to us. The thing that was most undersold to us was the Arizona Cardinals so far. People thought the Cardinals would be fourth in the NFC West. And now they're near the top. People had them missing the playoffs because you wouldn't think all four teams in the NFC West can make it in. That's not the case anymore. Seattle is now in the space that we thought Arizona was. Arizona possibly might jump the 49ers with how well they're playing. They lead the league with 34 points a game. They are second in yards per play, yards per game. They are arguably one of the best offenses in the league and probably the top two offenses, at least two of the top three offenses in the league are in the NFC West with them and the Rams. They have been doing that well on offense while being good on defense. Not great on defense. They were definitely great that week one, but good on defense. They have the third best turnover ratio in the league. So they're able to put up points and they turn you over more than you can turn them over. That is a recipe for a winning football team that is a playoff team that is going to shock and surprise some people and most likely save Cliff Kingsbury's job. All right, the next thing. The next thing is the Bears defense. And there was a lot of chatter coming off that week one loss to the Rams. This Bears defense isn't the same as what it used to be. There was a lot of, It's been years since people were really scared of this Bears defense the way that they were during Mitch Trubisky's early years. They aren't those guys anymore is what we kept hearing. I had the Bears defense right at 11 coming into this season. And that's because I was was with you all. They lost some key, key, key elements like Kyle Fuller in the secondary. But I believed in what Sean Desai could do. And I believed in our ability to really nurture defensive talent. We are currently third in the league in sacks at 3.7 a game, almost four. This defense has been very good facing some really good offenses. We played the Rams and the Browns. Those are top 10, top five offenses. And we are still above average in almost every category in defense in the league. Remember that as we start to soften up in our schedule a little bit. The last one for me, and this one I'm going to have to eat a little bit of crow on. The Las Vegas Raiders. They were undersold for sure coming into this season. That being said, I'm still not sure that this team makes the playoffs and continues this success for the rest of the season. I don't want people, especially Raider Nation, to like oversell being this good this early because the late season collapse has kind of been the marker of John Gruden with the Raiders. 
things really start going awkward and wonky for you all towards the end of the season. That being said, Derek Carr leads the league in passing, and the Raiders lead the league in yards per game. But understand that they also throw the second most in the league, and they are not really running the ball effectively or frequently. And that is something that's going to have to change as the season goes on for this Raiders team to keep the success that they have going on now. They, But they are also one of the least penalized team in the league and do not give the ball away. With a defense that's solidly middle of the pack, which is actually saying something really, really big for the Raiders, considering where they've been defensively over the last three plus years or so. Well, two plus years ever since they gave up Khalil Mack. That is a massive improvement and cannot be undersold. So that's a big one for me. Like the Raiders fans, Raiders Nation, don't take your victory lap just yet. It's a little early. Be humble for now. And if this team can continue this success, you get to talk all the shit you want. That was what I thought was oversold or undersold coming into this season so far. Let me know what you all think, who was super overhyped and hasn't lived up to the billing, and who did not get enough attention coming into the league this year. Welcome to the tee-off. Ooh, 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 spread that tea, sis. This is usually how we like to start our show. But we put it on the back end here. I like to spill some tea on our favorite athletes and some of the crazy situations they get themselves into. But this day is a little special. We got a little mix of our tee-off and our COVID and crossover segment because the overlap is just too heavy. I want to start with a very, very controversial comment that was made this week to lay the foundation for this segment. And that was NBA legend Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who had these words to say, and I, I can quote this. The NBA should insist that all players and staffs are vaccinated or remove them from the team. There is no room for players who are willing to risk the health and lives of their teammates, the staff, and the fans simply because they are unable to grasp the seriousness of this situation or do the necessary research. That is, that is heavy-handed statement from an NBA legend whose word holds a lot of weight in this league and in basketball circles. It is, it is heavy, and I'm not going to say kick them all out the league it's aggressive, right? Even though we have seen some ESPN employees get the boot for not mandating or complying with the vaccine mandate that they've had. We see other employers doing that all over the world, actually. But it's a little bit different for the NBA because the NBA has a players association, i.e. a union. And these things have to be contractually bargained with the union. And even though 90% of NBA players are vaccinated, the minority 10% is somehow holding the union hostage to say that this mandate cannot happen. So the NBA won't do anything about it so far. They will not backtrack on the union. Adam Silver was really, really, really open about that last season when people were expecting this to come around. He was like, this is not going to happen. We have to get an agreement with the Players Association, which also does not seem like it's going to happen. However, players are having to deal with some local restrictions in their home markets that are going to make a pretty large problem for the NBA as we go on here. And that is particularly for the New York teams, the Toronto team, and teams in San Francisco. So that's the Knicks and the Nets, the Warriors and the Raptors. And 
The Knicks for this has no problem. The Knicks apparently are 100% vaccinated. But in these jurisdictions, people in the home market must be completely vaccinated or in case of New York, have had one of the shots to be allowed to play in the arena. This will not affect visiting players. People think this is a little hypocritical, but visiting players are in, or in and out. It's a lot less chance of a risk. Home players will play 41 games in that arena. It's pretty consistent. So the hypocrisy of it is there, but there's a pretty logical reason behind it. Now, this is going to affect some pretty key players in the league. And the first one I want to talk about is Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie Irving has been one of the most outspoken COVID deniers and vaccine deniers that we have in the NBA. And most importantly, he holds an executive position in the NBA PA. If you're connecting some dots, that makes a lot of sense about how it's going to be very hard to shift the NBA PA's position on something like the vaccine. And Kyrie Irving said, look, he wants to have his privacy respected. He says that he knows he's going to be there and be available for his teammates. We don't really know how, considering the vaccine restriction. But regardless, he wants his privacy protected. And Kyrie Irving actually had some of the most reasonable statements on this issue. Kyrie Irving, now people are trying to toss his name in trade rumors because, like, if a guy can't play 41 home games and if you make it to the playoffs, especially if you have home court advantage, that's over half of the series. You can't have one of your best players. So what are you going to do about it? You would hope they get vaccinated, but if they say no, and that's their personal choice to say no, there are consequences to that choice. They can't play those games. Well, what are you going to do about it? People want to toss Kyrie in some trade rumors. How are you going to trade Kyrie? That's KD's boy. They came there together. You got KD because you got Kyrie. But then, man, we've also heard those rumors. They've been denied about Kyrie saying that he would retire if he was traded. People are a little afraid of that. It'd be difficult to move that with those two pieces. And then we go down to Andrew Wiggins. And Andrew Wiggins was an interesting one because Andrew Wiggins first tried to apply for a religious exemption. NBA was like, nah, cuz. And the NBA was kind of forced to say nah, cuz, because the city of San Francisco was like, nah, we don't do those for the vaccine, which meant that the NBA making any type of request or exemption would be irrelevant because they would still have to abide by San Francisco's laws. You know, this is what ended up causing the 49ers for all my football fans to have to play in Arizona last season. So there's really nothing that they can do about this. There's more like the fake Draymond edit with the fake T-shirt going around that was pretty big for Buzz here. And it seems interesting for me because Andrew Wiggins definitely, definitely seems like an easier trade bait or target for a team like the Warriors who are always trying to get better and make some additions to their squad if he cannot play those 41 games. Of all the players that are unvaccinated that might get traded because of their vaccination status that actually matter, that you know their names and their importance of, Andrew Wiggins is probably the most likely one for me. Now, if we're talking about the Raptors here, which is separate, the Raptors situation is actually mind-blowing for me when it comes to the COVID vaccine. First question is, do we know if the Raptors are actually going to play in Toronto again? They played in Tampa last season. That was kind of a struggle. They can go back to Toronto and play their games. However, however, the home team players will not be able to enter Toronto and stay in Toronto for the season-long period of time without being vaccinated, period. They can't get into the country based off what I have read in the research that I have done. 
that's really difficult if there are unvaccinated players on the Toronto Raptors. Now, for traveling players, we've seen this happen in baseball already. Toronto will let the traveling players in, but they are confined to the hotel and the stadium. And that's it. They really can't do anything else. So, like, it'll be frustrating for the like, unvaccinated players being in Toronto, but it's not that big of a deal for the Raptors. However, if your players can't get into the country, that is going to be something interesting to look at going forward, especially as we get into preseason, et cetera. And the last thing I really want to touch on here is the gaffes. The gaffes have been hilarious, hilarious, right? I got I to gotta really just talk to NBA players real quick. There is something that you need to understand. And it's odd because I'm going to sound a little hypocritical here, but I need you to understand that you really don't have to say anything at this point. If you are going to choose to not get vaccinated, your reasoning and anything you say about your choice will not convince anybody that your choice is a good choice that already did not side with you. Everybody that thinks you're kind of an ass will continue to think that you're kind of an ass. The only thing that you are doing with this extra layer of explanation in almost each and every instance is embarrassing yourself. Just say it's a private matter. You don't want to say anything about it. Move on. That's the question. They ask again, be like, what did I say before? I've seen most NBA players do this with questions they don't want to answer. If you are unvaccinated and you want to do some anti-vax denial BS, just shut up you're literally embarrassing yourself people like dwight howard saying well i don't want to talk about it it's hipaa law you don't know what the hell hipaa law is and now you look like a dumbass people like jonathan isaacs who truthfully full disclaimer here i'm biased on ever since in the bubble when everybody was wearing the black lives matter shirt and kneeling and he decided to not wear the shirt and also stand and saying things like uh you know because of my religion i won't single out a particular group like that for real like the excuse is shitty, your actions are shitty. And to be fair, he went into deep, deep explanation. However, he started with, uh, I was looking at Donald Trump's press conferences, which I don't know if you've ever fact checked one of those because you did your research, but God damn, they are full of inaccuracies and lies. And somehow that made you oh, start having a little bit of questions and being hesitant about the vaccine and not wanting to believe in a damn doctor. Bro, explain this nonsense to me. Now, look, he did also make some points about black history that were very valid. And I want to give him his credit there. Things like the Tuskegee experiments, while valid, are not analogous situations. Because it's not like these vaccines are only going to black people and being tested on black people, to be clear. People are already trying to create a scarlet list of unvaccinated players. We know that the teams have to actively tell the NBA and that the players have refused to disclose their vaccination status to the team the team then has to disclose that so the nba can just treat them as an unvaccinated player and it's going to be interesting because the nba is taking a hard line stance even more than what they generally generally would do they are saying that if you miss a home game because of the local vandit restrictions you will be docked that game check that is they're, they're messing with your money now and they're going to see if messing with the money is going to put some people to fall in line like Kyrie could literally miss half of his salary according to the NBA so Andrew Wiggins as well and they've also obviously re-implemented a lot of the protocols from last year to just make things even more difficult for unvaccinated players as we heard NFL players complaining about the same thing yes they're going to make your life as difficult as possible 
but that is necessary to some extent to make sure that the season goes on. It doesn't mess with the NBA's money because messing with the NBA's money, as we know, generally messes with y'all's money as well. So fully vaccinated players will avoid regular testing can sit together in the locker room and practices and travels and they will be able to not have to quarantine if they're a close contact. They can go out every, anywhere they really want to, even when they travel. However, unvaccinated players will be required to undergo testing daily and multiple tests, especially on game days. They will have to maintain social distancing from, unva- from vaccinated people, non-vaccinated players will be prohibited from dining indoors with their teammates. They will be prohibited from working out with their teammates or doing therapy sessions with them, like being worked on by trainers. They will have to stay in the hotels whenever they travel. So they're not allowed to go out. They're prohibited from going to restaurants, bars, clubs, even large outdoor gatherings. Y'all remember LeBron last year doing his little tequila event? The NBA has changed the protocol to make sure that next time, if you're unvaccinated, they can punish you. They don't care if people were tested in there or not. We know we saw KP getting caught places, et cetera. Like, they're going to crack down again. We're going to have to deal with the whole thing all over again. And the weirdest thing is it's going to be some of the biggest star players in the league so let me know what y'all think you can hit us up at the fly route pod on all social media platforms or the fly route pod at gmail.com i want to know how you think this is going to shake out are the holdouts going to end up conceding and getting vaccinated or is this going to be a problem we have to deal with all season long y'all is y'all is tiny playboy all right, welcome to the final segment of our show, the heart of our show, Baller's Bouquets. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things athletes do and never want to give them their credit where credit is due. Here, I like to make a change. And this week's Baller's Bouquet goes to my fellow Nigerian, my fellow Igbo man, Super Bowl champion, Emmanuel Oba of the Miami Dolphins for his participation in the Community Service Day with the Miami Boys and Girls Club. All right, Emmanuel Oba, which crazy enough, I'm telling everyone now, you're pronouncing his name wrong the entire time. The G in that situation in Igbo languages is silent. Trust me, I know. I, too, have one in my last name. And I, too, know eventually it just gets really annoying to correct every single person every single time they say your last name, especially being a dude who participated in sports and team activities because we are frequently just called by our last name or number. Now, Emmanuel Oba, because now you know how to pronounce it and put some respect on that man's name because he got the ring on it. He gets the ball as bouquet for doing a host of things during this community service day with the Boys and Girls Club of Miami-Dade. Now, first, he helped them start the overhaul of their game room. He donated one new Xbox One, six controllers, games, paint, and painting equipment. Now, you all know already that alone is worth a baller's bouquet. But as we like to do on the Fly Route podcast, but wait, there is more. He also helped them paint the room, well, at least start the painting, and had mentorship 
sessions with the kids and played some football with them. And we talk about how important it is that even though a lot of athletes open their wallets up and that is great and we should commend them for that. It is also just as important when they spend the quality time and interact with these kids, show them faith in people that are successful that look like them. And that is an impact that can never be overstated. And I will never get sick of saying. And this isn't Oba's first act like this. Last year, he donated Chromebooks and necessary software to kids in the Houston area so they would be able to participate in virtual learning. He also did that with the Boys and Girls Club of Houston, where he is from. But that was this week's Ballers Bouquet. All right, that is it for episode 54 of the Fly Route Podcast. We're experimenting with a little more quick form action, getting things at you in a faster pace. Let me know what you all think. As always, I want to thank all of the listeners and viewers, whether it's on Audia, Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Our Twitter is jumping, jumping right now. So y'all better get on before it's too late. As always, thank you. We really appreciate you. Your feedback means the world. And I cannot wait to bring you all episode 55 next week. The Fly Route Pod. The Fly Route Pod. The Fly Route Pod. The Fly Route Pod.